1: the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now here's your host, Sharon Kleina.
2: I am Sharon Kleina and I want to invite you to listen to my show, The Power of Water and Our Human Mission. I have for 30 years been studying water. And I am the founder of Biologic Aqua Research. So I'm inviting you all today to join me and my guests in our classroom. And I call this show "The Classroom." The global freshwater crisis and its far-reaching, is far more-reaching and potentially disastrous effects on human health and civilization development have been unreported and by the news media and ignored by research. I have been in research for 30 years, and I found it very difficult to find out more about what, is, what can we learn more about the mission together, about well, this, what we can do with this water crisis, and what can we do with our health. If the planet Earth is having a water crisis, obviously it is common sense that all life on Earth is going to have also a crisis with their health. There's only one news media source making it a priority to report this crisis and educate the public. That's the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water. And other news organizations have not been reporting. We're going to be keeping them informed about what we can do worldwide with this life-threatening and rapidly expanding issue to make it newsworthy and to get it reported. This week, we're going to have an exciting guest from the country of Thailand. We're going to, throughout the period of time, have people, our, our guests are so exciting. They have made this show a syndicated show. We've had guests from all over the world, from every topic, issue, about water, health, uh, about what's happening to our air, uh, what is happening to our nutrition, from dry soil to the moisture, uh, we the Yellowstone National Park, uh, to countries of the world participating now with the Sharon Kleiner Hour. Can we all join together? Can we come together and learn more together? Look at this like a classroom. The moment you were born, you entered in the air you breathe from a pocket of water. At that moment, a dehydration began. Don't take for granted from that moment on, mothers and dads, and everyone, and all the medical field, that research should begin. The moment that baby is born. There are no two eyes alike, there are no two skins and the complexion alike, no two fingerprints alike. What is the symptom? Dehydration from birth, from the beginning of your life to the end. Men are 60 to 75 percent water. Women are 55 to 65 percent water. A newborn baby is 75 percent water. A muscle, about 75% water. Brain, your brain is 80% water. Your tears on the surface of the eyes are 98% water. Your skin is 68% water. Your blood is 70% water. The bone is 22% water. Body fluid, 75 to 98% water. Water in the cells... Two-thirds of the total body water is your cells. Water outside the cells, one-third of the total, total body water. Cells in an adult human body are 50 trillion cells. Now, I'm going to say to you and the world, let's challenge this together. Let's learn together and learn whatever we can In the classroom, we know we don't know at all, but can we go out to the rest of the world? We're going to go soon into Kenya. We're going to learn more about the migration of animals that are the zebras and the giraffes and the lions and the tigers and the elephants and more. How are they surviving when there's not enough water? We're going to go over into, we've been into California. We're going over into Holland. We're going to learn all over the world about what we can do to understand what is the mission of Earth and the water. And before we introduce our first guest, stop and think. You're living on the planet Earth. The planet Earth was chosen. It has the water. Did you notice that all over the solar system they're always looking and spending billions and billions and billions of dollars looking for the next planet that might have water? You're living on it. Let's have a human mission together Let's learn together and think about a better and healthier life. Today we're going to have an exciting guest. I can hardly wait to have Dr. Paul Blake. He's a naturopath from Thailand. And his topic is going to be Thomsonian Naturopathic Medicine. He will teach us a lot. I'm really excited about it. And then our second guest, Joe Frey, is an author. He lives in California in the United States of America this topic today is going to be energy alternatives such as solar and wind and how nuclear energy might be considered and studied to be a safer choice who knows we're going to learn from our classroom today join me and all of us on the show learn what you can listen to the other shows as you know with voice america when world talk radio we are with apple itunes and green talk radio so be sure and join and listen to all of our other guests Right now, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Because the surface of the eye is 98% water, Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only treatment to supply and supplement moisture with a humidifying effect with just a mist. Tissue culture grade of water, that absolute premium standard. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Blake.
3: All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you.
0: Listen. Listen.
1: The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now back to the program.
2: Doctor Blake, are you with us?
1: Yes.
4: Sure. Thank you.
2: Can you hear me okay?
4: Yes, I can. Thank you. Oh, you're
2: welcome. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, and if you ever find a moment where we don't hear each other very well, be sure and let me know. Now, Dr. Blake, sure uh you're in Thailand. How long have you lived there?
4: Uh, just about two years now.
2: Okay. And I've uh, read that you're a cancer survivor. A survivor. You're an, I, I, and yes. I might pronounce this wrong, iridologist. Nature path, yes. master herbalist, yes. nutritional consultant, yes. live blood yes. and microscopic tai chi and yoga instructor.
4: Yeah, all that good stuff.
2: All the wonderful stuff of learning how to live in a classroom and and learn about how to live on this planet with nature. Right.
4: That's right.
2: Yeah, tell us about if... yourself, and then we'll learn. You can. Then, I, you probably heard me say. This is a classroom, and we're going to teach the planet more about what they want to learn from people like yourselves, and we've had we've had so many exciting people as guests like yourself from all over the world. Uh, we like to learn as much about we, uh, what they can teach us, but we want to learn a little bit about the person who's teaching us. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Okay. Um, before I got involved with this, I was uh, just like everybody else, I was in construction work at the time, I was in my 40s, um, I ate just pretty much like every average American eats, uh, I ate meat, uh refined foods, coffee, uh, soda pop, uh, fast foods, I worked hard, and uh, so I'm just going along just like everybody else, and, of course, always in the background, everybody, there's a little bit of fear. You get older, am I going to get sick? What's going to happen? Um, I started noticing some things that weren't quite uh, what they were before, that uh, my energy was going, I was getting a lot of aches and pains, uh, my digestion was really bad, uh, it seemed like I never, I lost my appetite. Which is and unusual you construction find, it
2: working uh, on. Doctor, doctor, did you find that your indigestion was one of your first signal symptoms? A lot of people don't think of indigestion as something that might be unhealthy. Uh, they just think of it as being unknowing, uncomfortable. Uh, is indigestion uh, improper digestion one of the first signals, something might be wrong.: Yes. Um, Don't you think that's a little oh, over, her- overlooked? I find that research has not been teaching enough about that because when the abdomen begins to swell or the digestion system is signaling this something isn't right, uh, then all the other discomforts begin after that. And I think that the, we need to educate this audience a little bit, quite a bit about that today too, because that one, that's one of your specialties.
4: Yes. Well, we've been lulled into thinking that if you have a problem, you take a pill for
2: it. Yes. Take something for yes. digestion. In other words, you they're not drinking enough water, and too, right?
4: Uh-huh. Water is a, a big key to the whole thing. Uh,
2: That's the key to you, all of it, At number I thought, one. I don't know about it in Thailand, but in the United States, there, we have a, what's called the National Nutrition Chart. They put a lot of money into it when they do it. Did you know there's not one glass of water on that chart?
4: <laughs> not surprised. I'm not surprised. We, we all this
2: time are going to make sure that water is on that chart at the top. I hope. But tell me more then uh, about what you decided to do for yourself.
4: Well, I didn't have any insurance. So what am I going to do? And. Uh, So I'm a guy who likes to research things. I'm going to make a big change. I want to research and find out what's going on. And most of what I found out about alternative, I didn't quite understand. It was a little vague, like Chinese medicine and that. I'm I'm not from China. Uh, But I happened to hear a naturopath talk, and he made really good sense about how I got sick. A Thompsonian naturopath. How I got sick and how to get well. I, what he said is you need to reverse everything you've been doing do just the opposite.
2: So and what is, before we move on, what is the Thompsonian nature path um,
4: theory? Uh, it, well, it goes back quite a ways. We're talking uh, Thompson, Samuel Thompson, is like 17, uh, 1800s, just before the Civil War.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, he found that everything was a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but there was nothing consolidated. And he bought. He had had difficulty. A family member, his mother, had died at the hands of uh, allopathic or irregular doctors, and he didn't like what he saw. Uh, she was given a lot of mercury and a few other things, and she died of something fairly simple. Measles is what she had originally, and it moved on, and it became what they call galloping consumption, which is tuberculosis. So it moved from one disease to another through all the poisoning she went through. Mm-hmm. And so he took up herbalism. He brought uh, a lot of different uh, herbs and healing techniques together and made a system out of it called Thomsonian herbalism. Mm-hmm book
2: you know and, and discussing so, no. all to uh, to mention all the other doctors in the world that are not practicing nature path alternative they're practicing with with um, the medications and the and the uh, symptoms and all with the companies that provide them with information and research so uh, when you go over to the natural uh, uh, other uh, methods that is a specialty again of specializing in the nature of what is happening to this, with the symptoms. Yes. So, uh, yeah.
4: You're bringing uh, your body back to basics. What are the basics?
2: Bring it back. bring enough water. The balance. Bringing
4: enough water into the body. Not exactly. things like coffee, milk, soda pop. I've literally seen articles that say, but the fluid you need in your body can be made up of coffee milk sort of pop, and I go, what? Where did they get I know, this information I, I, from?
2: I, I agree with you water. totally. People have to realize, it's like one of our doctors from China said, you're not taking a bath in coffee. You're not taking a bath in your tea. You want to drink yeah. water, just plain water, safe
4: water. Exactly.
2: So then what well, did surprisingly, you mind now? When I
4: was listening to you, I, it reminded me of one of my first patients, uh... A nurse who taught nurses—that was her, her, her work at that time. She was a nurse teacher. She had fibromyalgia. She been to specialists. Nobody could help her. We sat down and I just asked her a few basic questions. I said, "How much water do you drink?" She said, "Well, actually, I don't ever drink any water." I said, "What do you drink?" And she went through the soda pop, the juice, and all that stuff. I said. Did anybody ever ask you, any doctor or specialist ever ask you how much water you drank? She said, no. I said, yeah. here's how much water you know I want you to drink every day. And
2: I tell you, that's been going on all over the world. You know, doctor, that's why I decided to specialize only in that. And you can imagine how people looked at me years ago uh, about having to specialize only in water. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we're going to be right back, and you're going to be our teacher to teach us some of those secrets that you've learned. We'll be right back, Doctor. Don't hang up.
4: Right. We're going to All listen right. to our
2: sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only natural global method of moisturizing with just a tissue culture grade of water, fine mist to replenish moisture to the eye. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Blake.
1: You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
3: Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops.
1: Listening to the Sharon Kleine Hour Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Dr. Blake, uh, we were talking about, of course, water, and, and you would be, of course, uh, uh, saying to the world if you don't drink water, Nothing else is going to work. Uh, But tell us some of the other secrets that you've learned about the nature of our bodies and what we must think about every day to be healthy.
4: Okay. Uh, One is uh, the balance of acids and alkalis in your body. Uh, Now, are you thinking... Alkalis come from the produce that you eat, and the acids come from everything else, bread, meat, cheese, and that.
2: Now, are if you saying, that end of it, you know, it can, doctor? Are you saying that you're suggesting that maybe people, uh, and we've heard, had a lot of uh, different reports on the body should be more acid? I mean, pardon me, more alkaline than acid. What is your thinking on that?
4: Yes, it should be more alkaline. Uh, we are an alkaline being, even though we are made up of protein, which is acid. We need. The alkaline much more than we need acid uh, foods.
2: And how do so, our, how do we get more how do we get more alkaline in our diets?
4: And that's through produce like lots of vegetables, lots of fruit, um, using what are called the superfoods like algae and uh, uh, kelp and things like that. Bring you back to an alkaline state.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, cancer does not like alkaline. Cancer likes an acid environment. It's very friendly for cancers if you're eating a lot of acid foods. Mm -hmm. You start eating alkaline foods, the cancer uh, has a difficult time with that kind of environment. So that's one thing.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. Uh, Another is cleansing the body out. Uh,
3: Cleansing the body. If you haven't been
4: drinking a lot of water for a long time and uh, Things begin to accumulate. Your body has a difficult time if you're not cleaning it properly, mm-hmm. and if you're not eating a lot, haven't been eating a lot of produce for you know most of your life. Uh, produce is one of those things that helps clean your body out. Vegetables and fruit are cleaners,
2: and that's that's called detoxification, and detoxing the body, getting rid of the the grime and all the toxin that, that builds up in the body if you haven't been digesting it.
4: Exactly, exactly, and you know, the other
2: thing, doctor, so, a lot of people don't realize is that you can you detoxify as much through your skin if you have a healthy skin and a moisture moist skin than if you then you flush the toilet for some reason. everybody seems mm-hmm. to think you have to go to flush the toilet to get the toxin out. No, no, the skin is your filter system. You want to help me with that, yes. yeah, you but eliminate about, it. more
4: than a pound of uh, Waste products comes out of your skin every day.
2: Exactly. I tell people,
4: one of the first things I tell people is start skin brushing. When you yeah. shower, skin brush.
2: Yes. Before the shower that or works. after?
4: Uh, both. Uh, oh. Dry skin brush for stimulation and when you shower, uh, skin brush again.
2: Now, you've got a subject on here that is interesting, too. Uh, It's uh, uh, iridology, uh, the eyes, and I have done quite a bit of research in the eyes and the water content and the the detoxification. Tell us what you've been learning about the eyes, and uh, you have a worksheet for the iris analysis. What did you learn about the eyes, and also eyes have to detoxify? Yes.
4: Yes. Well the eyes, you know, of course we've always known they were the windows of the soul, but nobody knew that they are also the windows to the body itself. They reflect what's going on inside the body. Uh, what you see is that colored part of your eye, called the iris, is not just color, there are fibers, there are nerve fibers. There's about 28,000, uh, individual like tables each of them have a dozen fibers and they're all attached at, at length to you, the different organs of your body uh... your iris reflects your genetic makeup uh... it can tell when things are toxic it shows in the eye if you're toxic you're holding on to different toxic areas in your body uh... yeah the I I've, like I went the to eyes, a, the uh, eyes have conventional.
2: been so under-researched. Have you noticed that uh, I always say that when I was brought in to study it years ago, that in the womb of the mother in that water bag, the eye organ and the brain organ attached immediately together. When you're born and you entered in the delivery room and the eyelid opened, of course the eyes have to uh, draw from hydration of the brain, uh, the brain is you know, like 98% water, the surface of the eye is 98, so if there's not enough moisture and the water fluid in the air that the eyes are living in at the surface, they have to pull from tugging from the brain, and that probably would be this, the signal of, of every organ in the body is going to be tugged and pulled all the time if the eye isn't having a surface healthiness. Are you there? Hello? I lost Doctor, Dr. Blake, are you Hello? there?
4: Hello? Still with me?
2: Hello. Yeah, are you there?
4: Yeah, I just lost you for a second there.
2: Okay, yeah, I know we're talking to you all the way in Thailand. But anyway, the eyes have been overlooked for research of all the directions you're talking. I've had doctors on here say the moment the baby was born, it was overlooked with the research. And a lot of the anxiety and the problems that go with eyes is to have diseases and unhealthy cause a lot of our brain problems and emotional problems later in life that they never detected at
4: birth. Yes, uh, you you can. Uh, water puts a strain on the body that nobody realizes if it's lacking. It strains the whole system from your thinking. Uh, down to each individual cell is put under stress by not getting enough water, not getting, not having the ability to clean itself, and so things show up like depression. Uh, we were talking about diget- digestion. You can get indigestion. You can get ulcers from just not getting enough water in your body, or asthma is also connected directly to the amount of water you're bringing in.
2: Now, tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been learning about herbs.
4: Uh, they're really food. A lot of people are afraid of herbs. They think, well, you know, some of them might be poisonous. They're closer to the food we eat and the food we buy in the market than anybody realizes. Uh, you could take a, have a table and put herbs on there from the most poisonous to the most benign, Blind, I can teach anybody to walk up to that table blindfolded and by just tasting a little bit of each herb, know which ones were the strongest or, or had the potential of being poisonous and which weren't. The bitterness of an herb tells you that immediately. I am strong, and you'll taste it in the, uh, in the herb, I, it'll tell you. It is impossible for somebody to pick up an herb and poison themselves even if they wanted to because the herb will force you to throw up. That's one I, of the...
2: Uh, that's interesting. i never God that. never.
4: What it is, God never put anything on the earth to harm us. We're the ones that cause the problem, not nature, not God.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing we want to learn to so, do with this classroom, uh, our show is teach people how to study, teach people how to think common sense. Um, now, on the herbs, uh, when I tell people when you go to your favorite herb shop uh, store, be sure and, and get someone to help you that's been there a long time, that has some knowledge. Don't talk to somebody who hasn't been there very long and that doesn't have very much knowledge. And we all need to, as you said when you started, you needed to learn to study. Uh, everybody should study what they're, what they're needing to learn about their health. If you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you the list of things to study, go study it. Uh, am I, isn't that correct? People should learn to think of their lives as so important. I need to study this.
4: I'm a little trouble hearing that last cl- uh, question. Okay, I was saying
2: where people need to start studying. About life and their herbs and their food. And if a doctor, you go to the doctor, the doctor should give you some lists of things to study. Don't you think that would be important for people to take important, how important it is to study?
4: Yes, it's one of the things that I use, everything I use, such as iridology, uh, blood cell analysis, is all about teaching. You try to give the people as much information as you can. I give them a lot of handouts so that they can understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, so that uh, it gives them reasons to do it. I just don't give them a pill and say, come back in a couple of weeks and we'll have another appointment. I give them things to do and things to learn each time.
2: Now, let's hear about you, Dr. Blake. What do you do when you get out of bed in the morning and tell us your routine and what you do for yourself to be healthy?
4: First thing is uh, water, of course. <laughs> that's
2: a water. That's Good the for you. First thing I
4: was told <laughs> when I started. Water's first thing. Okay. I start the cleansing of my body. Right. Uh, then I make. Uh, I believe in fruit only. First thing in the morning for breakfast kind of, until kind of about noon, and then I switch to vegetables.
2: Now, what because kind of so fruit do you eat? It's so much
4: easier on the body and energetic.
2: Doctor, what kind of fruit do you eat?
4: We've got, uh, I uh I'm in mean, the perfect place for it. Uh, we've got mangoes are in season right now and they're wonderful. Uh, uh, pineapple. Uh, yeah. Uh everything you can imagine is here in Thailand.
2: Now <laughs> and the <laughs> so, vegetables the choices. when you when you have vegetables, uh around noon or lunchtime, what do you eat for vegetables?
4: Um, I like greens. Uh, I like a, a good green salad uh, i'm not much I try to keep the cooked food down as far as possible because cooking is is for flavor but not really nutrition because uh-huh. cooking destroys almost everything in what you 're eating
2: now so if you eat a salad a doctor, if, you, if you eat a salad doctor, do you put an oil on it do you put something on it?
4: I stick with the basic uh, oil and vinegar, uh, yeah. And maybe a,
2: a, a, a little lemon or lime just, juice.
4: Yes, definitely. Love the, love the citrus with it. And right. uh, maybe some spices, cayenne. Um, yeah, I try to keep it really simple and easy. This, the produce is just amazing. The, uh, the lettuce, the... Uh,
2: now, I could not let you go today without hearing it's yeah. the latest thing in America have you you probably know it, is drinking coconut water. And uh, tell us about what you know about coconut water.
4: (laughs) Uh, I go for a bike ride every day, a good hard hour. I get a mountain bike, and I like to cruise around. I get to see all the uh, area here in uh, Thailand. And my wife puts together, uh, she picks up at a little stand not too far from the house, uh, coconut that has the top knocked off and
2: okay. it's,
4: it's got the, the milk inside and the coconut has been shredded inside so I drink the milk and then uh, eat the coconuts wonderful <laughs> well
2: I hate, I'm sorry our time is up I hope you will do this again with us and I want to thank you for joining us from Thailand and we did learn a lot
4: pleasure Shannon thank real you so pleasure much for joining us
2: You are on a a mission, Dr. Blake. Keep up that good work.
4: I certainly will, and you too, Sharon. Tell
2: everyone I said hello. All
4: right, I sure will. Bye-bye. We're
2: we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears iMist, and we'll be right back with our second guest, Joe Frey, who is the author of Alternative uh, Energy and Are We Going to Learn from uh, Joe. Didn't we enjoy Dr. Blake? He's standing right there in Thailand and absolutely committed to uh, learning and teaching us in this classroom. And we, I will I'll put on this website how you can learn more about him and go into his website. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Teacher Tears I Missed, and we'll be right back with Joe.
3: All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you.
1: The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Joe, are you with us? I am, yes. Thank you. Yeah, you probably heard our, uh, our earlier guest was sitting right there in Thailand. Oh, yeah. And uh, I. Um, want you to know how excited uh, this, the Sharon Klein Hour, uh, the mission of getting the message to the rest of the world with Voice America, World Talk Radio, Apple, iTunes, and Green uh, Planet uh, uh, Talk, it's been exciting. And today to have you on, I was really looking forward to what you've been learning. And Joe, we look at this like a classroom. I want people to learn to be proactive and study. And uh, let's teach them what you've been learning Uh, about alternatives uh, in the solar and wind and and what you believe is the future that we should be uh, learning more about?
5: Well, uh, as a matter of fact, having spent uh, most of my career in uh, energy, I look around and see what's happening today, and I find that the uh, government is not really looking at the situation it ought to be. They seem to well, be you know, Joe. can I say
2: something? <laughs> I hate to. Uh, I'm going to be uh, a front. What we're having the problem is we're not using common sense.
5: Uh, well, right. that's true. You see, the, the real thing that's happening is that there's a lot of concentration on uh, carbon capture and uh, global warming, and that's not the real issue.
2: No, it isn't the issue. You're right. So tell us, teach us in this class that you've been learning.
5: Well, let let me, uh, first of all, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation, you know, getting to the public uh, on this subject, you see. That's that's what I'm really concerned about and why I wrote the book. (laughs) You see, first of all, I think our two major problems are uh, the fact that we take 50% of our electrical energy is generated by burning coal, and also the extensive use of gasoline for transport. Those are our two major problems with energy. Mm -hmm. I think it might be interesting for people to know a few facts about the coal, you know, burning coal, what what, what is actually happening here. Mm -hmm. For instance, we have over 500-plus coal plants burning coal, and any one of those plants can burn about 4 million tons of coal in a year. So that's an awful lot of coal being burned.
2: That's about four, did you say four million?
5: Four million for a typical coal plant could burn four million tons of coal in a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got upwards of 500 plants. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of coal. And this is the problem. You see, when it is burned, it produces nitrogen and sulfur oxides. And these get into the atmosphere and mix with the uh, moisture in the atmosphere and form dilute sulfuric and nitric acids. And these come down on the surface as acid rain. And in addition, there's things like mercury and arsenic are also uh, uh, emitted by these coal plants. But first of all, this acid rain causes a, a lot of property and vegetation damage and also to aquatic life. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of damage done. And people don't realize that the medical costs involved here. Uh, I mean, I me give you an example. Uh, a short time ago, the Environmental Protection Agency uh, asked the Harvard School of Public Health to conduct a survey for them just in, in the state of Indiana alone where a number of coal plants are used and the study was to find out the effects of these emissions, you know, these uh, nitrogen and sulfur oxides, mm-hmm. and the result of this study by the Harvard people, it showed that there was over 800 premature deaths in that state, and this, all this is in one year, over 800 premature deaths, 21,000 asthma attacks, out of which there were 1,200 emergency visits to hospitals all as a result of just breathing this stuff. And people just don't realize this, you see. And and it doesn't stop there. The, these plants, uh, when they burn all this coal, they're obviously going to produce an awful lot of ash. And this ash is, is deposited in landfills and in, in disused quarries all over the country, uh, about 80% now, of Now, I'm going
2: to ask you, Joe, when you're studying and you're coming along, and uh, I'm a believer of... uh... uh... what we can do let's say you start doing other alternatives when you were studying did you learn uh... let's say if the coal mines are doing what they're doing and you know our economy we all have to realize worldwide what we've done to build an economy uh... to do what it needs to do to be sufficient and make sure that people are working every day and you've got your power on and you've got the water going and and you've got the, the dollar bill to pay your bills. When you were studying, did you learn about alternatives that could be uh, in place that might be uh, something that you would consider that did you put that in your book?
5: Uh, yes, I have considered it. I wanted to come to that, but uh, first of all, I would just like to uh, give a few more facts here on, on this call, uh, what, what is happening which people are not aware of. About 20% of the ash that's produced from these uh, coal plants, and we're talking about millions of tons for the whole plants, uh, about 20% of it is put into p- ponds where it's stored in in water in, in ponds adjacent to the plants. And these things are not if lined. they
2: put into farms? Uh, and
5: and the wa- this material gets into the aquifers and damages the water okay. supply. Okay. And one other final fact, which is should be of interesting to a lot of people, is that in this ash when the coal is mined, there are lots of things like you, traces of uranium and thorium and things of that nature which are produced in uh, and come out in this ash at the, uh, the finally and it's amazing although there are only tiny amounts. It is shown that an a, a typical coal plant produces about five tons of uranium in a year, which is deposited with this ash in all these landfills and places, and this uranium becomes converted to plutonium <laughs> by natural now, what is
2: this, um, Joe, what is the name of your book
5: The name of the book is an achievable solution of our energy problems
2: and how would they go to your website to find it
5: well uh, the 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 uh website where they could get it if they could go to uh w B B O T W B O T W dot com.
2: B B is like B like and Boy.
5: B and boy, B and boy, O for Oscar, T for Tom, w for William.
2: Okay. Now you were talking we don't have too much time left. You were. I was noticing that you believe in solar, wind, and and, and considering nuclear energy.
5: Well, uh, tell us again, a little bit
2: about that for alternatives.
5: I will. I will come into that right now. I just wanted to point out that uh, there's a. If you took a Geiger counter and measured the radiation outside a coal-fired plant, you would find it hundreds of times higher than outside any nuclear plant. People are not aware of that, and that's a fact. Now then, coming to all, you see. The coal plants are so bad we need to replace them. How are we going to replace them? Well, what are the alternatives? First of all, there could be solar. If you consider those little solar panels that they put on uh, the tops of roofs and things, that's fine. They do a good job because when you're using power from that source, you're obviously not using it from coal, which is a good thing. But the big problem arises when we try to use this to replace the coal-fired plants, which is really the objective. We should be replacing the coal-fired plants to save all this trouble. And what happens is, if you consider those little panels, to replace one coal-fired power station, just one power station, you would need 16 million of these little panels occupying an area of about 11 square miles. That's just to replace one coal-fired plant. Now, what about, a, you
2: mentioned wind. Uh, obviously, that's the wind sands. Uh, what, what, what did you learn about that?
5: The wind? Well, as far as wind's concerned, the, the little turbines that they have with the wind, they, they uh, no more than about 7 megawatts each, the, high, the biggest of them which means you've got to have huge farms of these things in order to produce the equivalent of, say, one power station.
2: Now now what did you learn about nuclear energy when you were studying?
5: Well, can can I just, I mean, I'd like to just make a couple of points here to to make it clear to people why solar and wind are not effective. They can never replace the the coal-fired power plants because, first of all, you need backup for them. In other words, if the wind doesn't blow sufficiently, and if the... That's
2: common sense, right.
5: Right. And and, uh, examples of this, in uh, Texas, for instance, they they found that uh, they lost their uh, wind power, about 1,100 megawatts of their wind power was lost uh, uh, for several days. And in order to continue and not allow the power system to crash, they had to ask customers to be disconnected. Well, I mean, this isn't the way to run a power system. You can't do that. Well,
2: there's a lot, there is a lot to learn. I mean, it isn't, you know, uh, there, there, that's why I say when people can read your book and they can study some others out there uh, on what's been going on with research that you cannot use solar and wind only.
5: Well, they, they, you, couldn't hardly, you can use them, but they're, they're not effective in replacing the coal-fired plants. You need something else, and the only thing that can do that is nuclear power. Now,
2: now what did you learn about nuclear power?
5: Well, nuclear power, I've been in nuclear power for, for many years. Uh, I can say without question, and, and, and uh, this can be verified by anyone, there is absolutely no pollution whatsoever with nuclear power. Nothing, no emissions of any kind also it doesn't require any backup like the wind or solar power it could totally replace all the coal-fired power stations quite easily it's even more dependable than the coal-fired power plants themselves now what have
2: you learned when you've been studying uh, any controversy uh to use nuclear energy yes indeed what about some of the pro and
5: cons this is one of the big problems People have been so misinformed by these anti-nuclear people that this is what has led us to the situation we're in today, that we're using all this coal power where we should be using nuclear, which is absolutely clean. And let me give you an example of how the public has been misinformed if you ask anybody about uh, nuclear power, they probably say, oh, it's dangerous. Well, well why is it dangerous? Or oh, what about Chernobyl? Do you remember the Chernobyl incident? We don't want that kind of a thing happening. Well, here's the truth of the matter. The Chernobyl power plant, which was in Russia, in, in uh, the Ukraine, it was a kind of u- uh, nuclear power plant which would never even be allowed to be licensed in this country. It's what we call a cheap and nasty design and and it would never get a license in this country let alone to be operated and not only that the the people who were using it at the time were conducting an experiment and this experiment went awry because they were operating the reactor in a state which is not permitted by the designers but but in order to conduct their experiment they went into this dangerous state with it for several hours up to the time of the accident They even disconnected safety devices on it because they thought they might interfere with the accident.
2: So Chernobyl on Russia was more of an experiment of learning what to do, and when the accident happened, it's because they were experimenting.
5: Well, they were doing an experiment which was an, uh, an illegal experiment, as a matter of fact, but the point I'm trying to make is, first of all, this was a reactor which would never be allowed to be used in this country under any circumstances, and secondly, it was being operated in a very reckless manner by the people involved. So now, what, it, it is ludicrous so, what, to use that as an example uh, for not having nuclear power. That's, that's the point that needs to be made, you see.
2: So where would people go to find more about the nuclear energy uh, for education? Is there, a, is there a particular spot on the web that you would uh, recommend
5: well, there are many places. I mean, if you went to use Google or something of that nature, you you can find it anywhere. All you need to do is punch in nuclear power and, and, and you'll find out all you need to know about it. But okay. in, in the book, I explain all these things in detail, you know, as to what the went on at the various places, including Three Mile Island as well. That's another one where, where people are misinformed. And another subject is on the question of uh, nuclear waste. You'll hear these people jump up and down shouting about nuclear waste. What they say is a load of rubbish, quite frankly. And well, I that's why it. I
2: say this this show, Joe, is to learn. and we're There's here a lot to learn, to, yes. Yeah, and uh, we're almost out of time. Uh, how, what would you like to leave with your audience today with what you think they, they uh, need to think about and learn and study more about what you found with... Uh, uh, with nuclear energy, solar, wind, some of the alternatives to energy in our country and the world to consider, well, to come and learn. What, what, right. what would you like to say to them?
5: Well, I'd like people to understand the reason for publishing this book w- was because I wanted this kind of people, you know, people to get this kind of information, which doesn't seem to be generally available in, in, a, in a simple manner, all in one place, mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the book uh, explains a lot of these de- things in detail. Okay which we don't obviously have time to go into now Uh, but i I would like people to understand that one you cannot replace the coal-fired plants which are doing all this damage they should recognize how much damage is being done by the coal-fired plants and that you cannot replace those with solar and wind or, or any other energy the only available energy is nuclear energy to do that which is a perfectly clean source of energy that's the main point that people should understand
4: okay well
2: I am so sorry we're out of time but it's something for people to study and uh, I've uh, we've asked them to go to your website and learn and uh, if you ever decide you want you've learned something else to come on please let us know and we'd like to have your education on again I want to thank you for your time for being on with us Joe Earth has a secret hello Embr- em- Joe I think Joe is gone, and uh, today, because we've been in Thailand, and then we bounced back here to the United States of America in California. Our guests have been all over the world, and they will be on uh, uh, for uh, for as long as I can plan this show. I want to thank you for joining us, because I know Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every precious moment. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave your footprint. Learn as much as you can. Be proactive. Let's hit the news. Let's get people into understanding and studying the scientists out there in the world, the news media reporting about what is going on with the health of our planet. It's going to be a lot of fun to learn. I want to thank you for listening. You leave your footprint. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.